0: Hello! Clearwater Church! It's so good to see everybody. Thank you, Radiant, for letting us use your space. This is awesome. And today, we are in a series on the ascension, ascended. And we're trying to answer the question, where is Jesus today, and what's He doing? Uh, we know what He did up until His ascension because of the Bible, and, and we know... Uh, what he was doing through his church, through Acts 28. But what's what's the Lord up to now? Uh, Where is he? And uh, this is a five-week series. And last week, uh, James kicked us off by focusing on the fact that Jesus has all authority. Right before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And uh, James teased out two of the implications of that glorious truth, Uh, and this week we're going to tease out some more. This is such a monumental uh, fact that Jesus has all authority, that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that we wanted to sit on it for two weeks. And so, uh, just by way of reminder, uh, James pointed out that because Jesus has all authority, number one, we should obey Him. And we do, as Christians. Uh, Fundamental to being a Christian is that we make Jesus the leader of our lives. We get off the throne of our lives and we say, Jesus, please come sit on the throne of our lives. You be in charge. And in particular, we seek to obey Christ, the, the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment, that's what we say at the end of every service, go, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's because Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang on this. In other words, uh, the commands of God can be reduced to love God, love your neighbor. And then the great commission is, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. Go. And make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And that is our mission on earth, both individually as Christians and also corporately as a church. And so we do seek to obey Jesus. That is uh, the King of Kings. His instructions are our command. And then... Secondly, James said, because Jesus has all authority, we preach boldly, and he sat on this one uh, quite a while, in which he said, you know, we're not just holding out Christ as one of many options. It's not, hey, lots of ways for you to relate to God. Christianity works for me. You might want to try it out. If it works for you, great. That's not the way we preach. Uh, and that wouldn't do justice to the fact that we represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that through us God is making His appeal to, to people. Uh, essentially, Christ through us is asserting His claim upon the world and upon and every individual. And so it would be totally appropriate for us to say, you know, hey. It works for me, try it out. If it works for you, great. If not, don't worry about it. Lots of other options out there. That would make sense if Christianity were just uh, a religious idea or one of many paths. But it's not. It's the word of the king. And the king is saying, Hey, I have provided a way for you to be reconciled to God through my sacrificial death on the cross. If you repent and put your faith in me, If you bow the knee to the king today, well, then when I return, it will be a day of celebration for you. But if you persist in your unbelief, if you persist in your rebellious rebellious heart and life, then when I return, you will bow the knee, but it will be uh, bowing the knee in defeat. Okay, so uh, it doesn't mean that we're aggressive or it doesn't mean that we're mean-spirited. It, but it does mean that we are bold in our proclamation of the gospel, which is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. So why might Paul have been ashamed of the gospel? Well, because the gospel was out of step with both Jewish culture and Roman culture. Uh, The Jews, they had killed Jesus. Uh, They had rejected him as the Messiah. And yet the gospel claims Jesus is the Messiah. And the Romans, uh, and they were all about, there are many gods. And Christianity is exclusive. No, there's one God. And there is one who has all authority on earth and in heaven. The King of kings and Lord of lords worship no other gods. And that was offensive. And so there were many people in Paul's day who believed that the thought of the teachings of Christianity as shameful. And so Paul is saying, I I don't believe that. Uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of its claims, of its implications, of its claims to truth. Okay, so as James pointed out last week, we preach boldly. We, so we obey, because Jesus has all authority, we obey him, we preach boldly, and then today I want to highlight three more implications of the fact that Jesus has all authority. So, third implication, we treat all human authority as derived and limited. So, all authority has been given to Jesus, and Jesus delegates some of his authority to people so that we may flourish. And the Bible uh, talks about this. It it identifies a number of those authorities. Governments, right? Jesus delegates to government. Authority to... uh, to tamp down evil and promote good. Uh, Jesus has delegated authority to church leaders so that churches may be doctrinally and mor- morally pure. Jesus has delegated some authority to parents so that children may be reared in the, in the knowledge of the Lord. And, and so, uh, because there is legitimate human authority that has derived its authority from Jesus. The implication then for the Christian is we need to obey the legitimate authorities in our lives. Which is what we're told in Romans. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. So God has all authority. Those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. And so it's important for us uh, as Christians to recognize legitimate authority and to submit to that authority as if we're submitting to Christ. And that honors Jesus. So human authority is derived authority, but it is also limited. God, uh, Jesus never grants humans total authority. He always grants them limited authority to accomplish His purpose. Now humans so often seek to overstep. They abuse their authority. They use the sometimes God-given legitimate authority for uh, inappropriate purposes. And, and, and so Christians have always had to wrestle with that. And how do we respond to authority gone, gone awry? Right. Well, we resist. And, and there are, I, I think of two categories. One is when the authority tells a Christian to do something that God has clearly uh, forbidden. And, and it's pretty easy to know what to do in those situations because we have examples like David, or not David, Daniel, who just said, sorry, I'm not going to obey the law. Because your law is trying to tell me to disobey God's law. Or, as we see in the New Testament with the apostles, when they're told, don't preach the gospel by the Jewish council, they say, sorry, we have to obey God. And so, for example, in Acts chapter 5, verse 27, um, in Acts chapter 4, the Jewish Council, so a legitimate authority. God had given them authority to rule over Israel. And they haul the apostles in front of them and they say, do not preach the gospel. And the apostles say, you're going to have to judge for yourselves what's right to obey you or God, but you know, we're going to preach the gospel. And they did. And then in chapter 5, verse 27, we read, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council. So the apostles got arrested. And the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. You have disobeyed us. And is that acceptable as a Christian? I mean, that's a, that is a legitimate authority from God. But this is an authority uh, th- that has gone uh, too far. But Peter and the apostles answered, verse 29, We must obey God rather than men. And so, uh, a parent tells a child, I don't want you to believe in Jesus. I don't want you to pray. I don't want you reading your Bible. I don't want you going to church. Uh, And so, um, what does the kid do, right? That parent is, uh, the lesser authority is arguing to disobey the higher authority. And Christians have always said, in that situation, we resist, the human authority we will disobey and take the consequences, and the consequences are sometimes extreme, beatings, imprisonment, death, but that has been seen as, as part of our Christian duty. Now then there is another category though that is much more difficult to, uh, to discern how to respond, and it is the human authority that is um, abusing its power but not quite going so far as to say you have to disobey God. And I, let me give an example. I think this happens a lot in Christian marriages. The husband has been given a leadership role in the home to the point that God says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. But what's the purpose of that? Is the purpose so that the husband has a servant in the house? (laughs) No, that's not the purpose. The purpose is so that the home is well-led and is protected from, from the evil one. But, then, but, and I have been prone to this too, where I have, u- I have sought to use my God-given leadership role for my own selfish purposes. And, and Christian husbands very often do this, and they go too far. And so they start trying to... Say things like "I want you to dress a certain way," or "I want you only hanging out with these people," or "Here's how I want you to use your time," and and they overstep. They begin to abuse their abuse their uh, their um, authority. And now, what does a wife do, right? What do you do? I have no idea. It's <laughs> <laughs> there's some truth to that. That's tricky man, that's tricky. Uh, it certainly demands a lot of prayer. Counsel, seek out other godly counsel uh, and you, for wisdom. And sometimes I th- and you have to also remember the Bible says things like when your brother is sinning, go and confront them. If they are unwilling to listen, you can take it to the church. Uh, and I think there, I think it's appropriate at times to just say, you know what? You have a pattern of sin, and I'm not going to be enabling and participating in that. Um, but, so, this, because Jesus has all authority, and we recognize that all human authority is derived and limited. And that helps us think through how to be appropriately submissive to legitimate authority, and how to appropriately resist um, abusive authority. Fourth implication of the fact that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, we confront evil. Evil has no legitimate place on the planet. Where Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, what is right is that it be done on earth as it is in heaven. And evil doesn't have any business being in the world in which Jesus is king, over which Jesus is king. And it's very appropriate for us as his followers, when we see evil, to confront it and to say, hey, what are you doing here? This is wrong. You need to go. And, of course, that enters us into some titanic battles, right? And that can be in the spiritual realm. Uh, where we're wrestling not against flesh, but, but principalities, powers, uh, forces of darkness. But we always have the upper hand because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, right? Uh, and the evil one, it has, because the Spirit of God indwells us, God has given us his authority. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. But there's, there are, there's also evil manifest in the very tangible world in front of us, and we uh, I- interact with that. And, and so we're called to resist evil in the authority of Christ, recognizing that it doesn't have legitimacy. Uh, and, and we do. We have the authority to confront it and seek to stamp it out. <clears throat> one, of revel- one of the most important aspects of that is labeling, properly labeling right from wrong. And that might seem simplistic, but it's actually a very revolutionary thing in society. It always has been. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, we're told this. Actually, starting in verse 10. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. <clears throat> now... The church is, the Bible tells us the church is the pillar and bulwark of truth in the world. The church holds truth up. If the church were to stop doing that, truth would be lost. It's a fundamental uh, role of the church in society is to uphold truth. And part of upholding truth is properly labeling right from wrong. Now... Uh, in every culture, there are always some things out of step with biblical morality. If you sat down with a, a, a non-Christian American, there's a lot that we agree on, and we can. There will be a whole lot of right and wrong labels that we would say, "Yep, yep, 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 right." Not, it's wrong to murder. It's wrong for parents to abuse their children. It's wrong for bosses to exploit their workers. It's wrong for uh, us to uh, deal inappropriately, or uh, I mean, want to need a new word, but do bad things to the environment, right? And we can agree on all that stuff. But uh, there are some places in which biblical morality is out of step with culture, and when and when we start debating what to label certain actions. Uh, things can get quite tense, uh, and this has always been the case. Christianity has always, in every society, there have been things that we have pointed to and said, "That's wrong in the eyes of God." And society says, "No, it's not." Or society says, "This is good," and we say, "That's that's not good. That's wrong." Or um, so for in in America today, some of those things are we say. Uh, it is always wrong, abortion is always wrong in every situation unless it's truly a choice between the baby's life and the mother's life. We say it is, it's always wrong uh, for a man to marry a man or a woman to marry a woman, that's wrong. We say uh, worshiping any other God than Jesus Christ is always wrong. If you were to say that at work, or in your classroom, uh, how would that, would everybody go, yeah? No, that would become a pretty hot conversation, right? And there would be a lot of debate around the labeling. And so part of our responsibility, uh, one of the implications of Christ having all authority is that we need to be Identifying the things in, in our society that need to change. And, and pointing that out. Uh, which is, and it's not always easy, which is why we're told to try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. And expose on the works of darkness. Now, this if the church goes silent, right? We can't go silent. On the other hand, as James pointed out last week, Uh, We have to be extremely wise in the timing, in the wording, and in our demeanor, right? Um, It's it's not like we need to be pointing out every sin every time we encounter it. But we need to, as a church, we need to be um, upholding truth in the world. And we certainly need to do that corporately. And we need to do that to each other. And then sometimes, of course, we need to do that even in our friendship circles. But with wisdom and uh, as prompted and led by the Spirit of God. All right, final implication of the fact that Jesus has all authority is we ask big things of God. In John chapter 14, verses 12 and 13, we read this. and we know that He is seated at the right hand of the Father in the place of, uh, of power and honor. All authority on earth and in heaven has been given to Him so that we can now, we can pray to Him. And Jesus, He says, if you ask in my name, it's, I'll give it to you. Uh, and elsewhere in Scripture, we're told, of course, that that's when we ask according to His will, right? Not just for our selfish purposes. Um, but it means that we need to be asking big things of God because He has all authority. He can do them. And so today I was super encouraged at the National Day of Prayer and the assembly at how big the uh, prayers were. They, were. they were big asks of God. And I was also surprised that it was overtly Christian. There was, it was praying in Jesus' name. In the assembly chamber. It was pretty awesome. Dick Strutz, 89 years old. I think he said, I'm two weeks away from becoming uh, from seven, six. How many fingers? Seven. I'm seven weeks away from turning 90. And he said, when I turn 90, my family will have been in Anchorage for 100 years. Uh, and Dick Strutz has been a pastor in Anchorage for a long time. He's retired now. But he said, I love Anchorage And I've been praying big prayers for Anchorage for many years. Uh, He said, God gave me a vision many years ago of a revival in Anchorage. And since then, I've been praying that Anchorage would become a Christian city where there are so many Christians in in Anchorage that we have a reputation uh, as a Christian city. And he said, uh, uh, you know, I'm about to turn 90, I have not given up on that uh, dream and on that prayer. And he believes that God is going to, to bring that about. And so, here we are, I'm witnessing God's people in the assembly chamber praying for Anchorage to become a Christian city, for the economy to boom again, for uh, drugs to get off our streets, for crime to go down, for families to be healthy, for uh, children to not be abused, and just these big <laughs> prayers in Jesus' name. Are those overreaches? Or is that what the kind of prayer Jesus is saying? Because I have all authority, you can pray those kind of prayers and I will bring them to pass. So I wanted, I figured, it National Day of Prayer. If you guys would just uh, bow your heads and your hearts with me. Uh, and since it's a small group, why don't we just take some time and, as you're comfortable, just pop corn out. A big, you know, an ask for Clearwater Church, for Anchorage, um, in Jesus' name, asking big things of our God who has all authority on earth and heaven. I'll start. Jesus, I ask that you would give Clearwater Church many people this coming year who, for the very first time, Repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ and become baptized. Give us the joy of having many people, uh, new Christians, come to faith so that we can disciple them. Lord, I just pray for those homeless are Hmm. Lord, we join with Dick Strutz and his many decades of praying for a revival in Anchorage that would be so tremendous that Anchorage would become, uh, have a reputation of being a Christian city. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.